Um, welcome, those of you who are online this morning, glad you could join us at Celebration Church, and it's, it's great to be here with you. And uh, we're going to be looking into Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8 this morning, so let's read that together. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, last week during Pastor Mark's message, we saw a video testimony from Kenny Peterson, how by chance, just by chance, one day, he and his wife were running late for their church, and they're passing by in front of Celebration here on their way to their church, and they just decided to turn in and visit us instead of arriving late at their place. Well, you heard from Kenny what happened. Uh, his life changed. His family changed. And God has healed him of so much. It was just awesome testimony. And Kenny, in turn, has become an incredible channel of blessing to so many of us here through his ministry. Just one decision. Isn't that amazing? Just one decision, spontaneous, quick, just a, a random turn of the wheel into our parking lot, and boom, forever changed. Wow. You know, things connect. As Christians, we believe there is a relation between an event, which we would call the cause, and a second event, the effect, where the second event is understood as a consequence of the first. In physics and philosophy, this is called the law of causality. It is Sir Isaac Newton's third law of motion, which states that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Cause and effect are an action-reaction combination, and the cause is the reason something happens, and the effect is what happens as a result. Uh, let's talk about itching. Apparently, cause and effect are behind why we itch. I read this article in Time Magazine last week. It's from Time Magazine, May 23rd. What is the neurological basis of the pruritic response? Or in plain English, why do we itch? At least part of that mystery has now been solved by scientists at one of the less celebrated units of the National Institutes of Health, writing in Science Magazine, molecular biologist working at the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research report, that a, mo a molecule known as neuropeptide natriuretic polypeptide B, or commonly known as NPPB, is released by nerve cells far away from the actual itch site, and it triggers an electrochemical cascade that ultimately tells the brain it's time to get scratching. So for you guys here in Wisconsin, when you are bitten by a mosquito this summer, please refer to it as an electro electrochemical cascade from now on. You, you know better, you know better now. So that's what it is, it's not an itch. It's an electrochemical cascade. Let's hear that again. A molecule called NPPB is released far, emphasis on far, from the itch site and triggers an electrochemical cascade and tells our brain, you need to scratch that thing right now. Now, I read the rest of this article. You want to know something really amazing? These scientists still do not know why 
when you actually scratch the itch, it just goes away. And so what makes the itch disappear when you scratch it? Well, believe it or not, they're going to have to get back to us on that one. <laughs> okay, your tax dollars at work. Which brings us to the cause and effect thing that we're talking about this morning. This verse, Romans 14, brings the law of causality home to us. No man lives to himself alone. No man dies to himself alone. We're connected here. I can be, I can be the irritant that causes and releases an MPP molecule in somebody else. You, for example, that causes you to have to go and scratch an itch. I can be the cause of that because we're connected as people. What I do the cause affects others, which becomes the effect. What happens to me affects others. What I decide affects others. What I decide not to do affects other people. I am a free moral agent. I can make my own decisions and choices. God's designed me that way, you too. But I am not free once I make that choice to say what the result of my choice is going to be. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. When you make a choice, do you think about the consequences? When you make a choice, do you think, think about the consequences? Could it be that the choice you make might affect somebody else? The most massive chain reaction in human history, according to the Bible, was set off by one simple choice. God told Adam, the first man to appear in the Bible, you can do and have anything you want here in this garden paradise in which you have been placed, except one thing. I don't want you eating off of that tree over there. Do you see it? Do you understand me? Do you have that? Do you understand that? Anything you want, except for the one thing. We know that Adam chose to disobey. He ate off of that tree. He was removed from an unspeakably beautiful garden paradise and placed in an unspeakably desolate and dying world east of Eden. What we are not told in that story in the book of Genesis is what happened to the rest of us as a result of Adam's choice the cascade effect of sin that was released on all of us. Now, fast forward to the New Testament in Paul's letter to the Romans, and we discover in Romans chapter 5 that Adam set off this moral and spiritual cataclysm that has spread like a virus to every human being who has ever lived. One choice, infinite consequences. No one knows what the cure is. There has been no known cure up until Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said about Adam's choice. Verse 12 of chapter 5 in Romans. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, he is referring to the one man being Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. One choice, infinite consequences. Verse 18, one trespass, which was Adam's, resulted in condemnation for all people. Verse 19, through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners. You and I, 
born that way. Can you imagine that? Were it not for that one choice by Adam, there would be no death, no disease, no holocaust, no war, no deterioration, no decay, and there would be no such thing as cause and effect. No, none of this, you do this and I'm going to do that, or you do this or I'm going to do that. You've heard people talk about peace and harmony on earth between men, which would be possible actually were it not for Adam's choice. And now, as this world that we're in is drawing to a close, the time of cause and effect is also drawing to a close. At the end of this age, God will initiate the ultimate effect in response to the ultimate stimulus, the ultimate cause, and we call that the final judgment. And then it's all going to be over. In the meantime, you and, I left, you and I are left with our thoughts and our choices. And nowhere is it more clear that we have freedom to choose than in the New Testament. It's very plain there. Every day, believers, you choose. You choose because of preference. You choose out of habit. You choose out of love. You choose out of selfishness. You choose out of ignorance. You choose because of certain disciplines. You choose and behave because of past trauma. You choose. And this morning, we're not exploring why you choose. I mean, that would take 10 more sermons like this. We're talking about the effects of our choices. Because you and I need to know that what we choose to do, say, and think always, always, always produces an effect. You are affected. Others are affected. God is affected. First, when you choose, it affects you first. Bad choices affect me negatively. My conscience is tweaked when I choose poorly. The conscience is the voice of God implanted into every human soul, a divine helper for self-preservation. When I'm about to make the wrong choice, my conscience says, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Have you heard that voice before? When I go ahead and do it anyway, my conscience speaks louder. That really wasn't a good idea. Guilt follows, and then all of a sudden I find myself saying, man, I shouldn't have done that. If you do that enough times, and you begin to develop a guilty conscience, it turns into this data bank of all of your bad choices. A guilty conscience produces emotional and physical stress. Man is not designed to carry this kind of thing. Listen to the effect that a guilty conscience had on David the king. Psalm 32, when I kept silent, he had unconfessed sin in his life. His conscience was haunting him. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Check it out. From carrying that stress, David started to waste away inside. 
He groaned all day long. Normal people do not go around groaning all day long. We call those people depressed. And we understand that that is not a healthy way to live. But David made a choice and he was affected by it. I'm not connecting depression to guilt. I'm just saying it happens. David could feel the hand of God on him day and night. And whatever that was, it drained his strength completely. Nothing left. As if he'd been lying out in 120 degree heat all day because that's how hot it gets in Israel in the summer over there. This is how he felt all of the time. Heat stroke 24-7. All due to the effect of a guilty conscience, the effects of carrying around these guilty memories of bad choices without ever resolving them. It's insane that we do that. But we do. At least David got to a point where he couldn't take it anymore. He confessed his sin and God forgave him and his life was changed. But not all people get tired of carrying their guilt around. There's a danger, you see, to carrying a guilty conscience for too long. And it will drain you. And yes, it will stress you out. But if you do it long enough, even though you're dying in the process, you begin to grow calluses on your soul. Musicians and carpenters and landscapers can tell you all about calluses. Calluses are hard spots that develop on areas of skin that are constantly irritated and stressed and the skin thickens and develops a, a protective layer over the nerves and blood vessels so the outside stress can no longer affect the inside part of the body. And the only problem with a callus is that your ability to feel pain in that spot decreases considerably. You lose feeling. Our conscience... If it suffers enough damage by our bad choices, can become calloused. This is the ultimate damage to a human being. You can't do any worse to a man or woman. We bypass our moral compass enough, we no longer feel guilt, we no longer sense that we're in trouble because we don't even care that we're in trouble anymore. Paul wrote of people like this and he described them as people whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Skin, when you burn it, forms scar tissues and in some cases loses its ability to feel. The nerves are destroyed. A conscience can suffer the same way. No one is born like that. Conscience can suffer the fate, but conscience can deteriorate through a life of bad choices, and your choices affect you first. Second, when you choose, it affects other people. We read about that already. None of us live to ourselves alone. None of us die to ourselves alone. In another letter, Paul put it this way, Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly, in love, being selfish, using my moral choices to live selfishly at the expense of others is a sure way for me to isolate and lose out with God. 
Selfishness manifests in a million different ways. Not listening to somebody is a big one. Did you know that listening is a choice? In order to enter into a conversation, you first have to make a choice to listen to the other person. You have to make a choice. Healthy relationships are built around two people who listen. It's called a dialogue. Di meaning two. As opposed to a monologue, mono meaning one, which is one person speaking. But a selfish person, the one who really doesn't give a rip about you, has the ability to enter into what looks like dialogue, but actually remains frozen in monologue. And you'll get it. You'll figure that out as you're talking to that person. The conversation that you're having with them is actually their monologue. Say amen if you've had conversations like that before. You know what I'm talking about. That person choosing to not listen to you makes a choice that affects you. You see how that works? You feel used, hurt, ignored, like you have been intentionally mistreated. That's the effect of our choices on other people. Christians, Paul said that you and I are free, and we're free from sin, but it doesn't mean we can use this newfound freedom to just do whatever we want. My freedom leads me to serve others. It is not self-indulgent freedom. We're talking about choices this morning. When I'm about to make a choice, do I seriously think about how that choice might affect someone else? My neighbor, my spouse, my kids, my church. Speaking of church, take an honest assessment of where you're at today regarding your spiritual condition and connect the dots. Could it be that if you are in poor spiritual health today, it's because you have decided not to accept what your church has to offer? That you've chosen not to attend church, for example, over the summer. Fortunately, you guys are here. It's a crummy day outside. I'm glad you're here. There is so much other stuff to do in the summer in Wisconsin, right? And the weather's great, and we got family plans, and I need to cut the grass. Are you spiritually anemic because... You have chosen not to participate in the financial health of your church, for example. Well, my money's all spoken for. I'm sorry. And who speaks for that money? Who speaks for your time? You or God? How's that working out? My choosing certain things affects other people in certain ways. If a person walks away from our conversation without me listening, he may feel disrespected. He may feel like he's not important enough to engage in a conversation. He may feel hurt or neglected or offended. It's even worse if I hurt somebody overtly with my actions or my words. I mean, even your body language, which, by the way, is also a choice, 
communicates certain things to certain people in certain ways. Your body language affects other people. God reads body language. You don't believe that? Look at Isaiah 3. Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. Get this. The look on their faces testifies against them. The look on their faces testifies against them. Hey, God reads body language. Which leads us to the third consequence of bad choices. God is affected by my choices. There is cause and effect there. Why would I choose to neglect, insult, disobey, dishonor, curse, blaspheme, and ignore the one being in the universe who loves me unconditionally? Why would I do that? The one being in the universe who holds the universe in his hands. The one being in the universe who is worthy of being worshipped and thanked for all things seen and unseen. The one being who can offer me forgiveness and mercy. This person I choose to dishonor through my thoughts, speech, and actions. I choose David, the king, finally figured it out after a season of conflict with his own conscience. Remember the description of how he felt? We read it in Psalm 32, his bones, his being, he felt sapped. Then he was confronted openly by Nathan the prophet, and David figured it out. He'd already lost two sons because of this. His grief was ongoing, his memory indelible. The consequences of his choices all played out in real time and in real human tragedy and loss. He knew he'd really blown it. But David's biggest offense, besides all of these other things, was against a holy God. And in the end, it is God that David turns to and admits this in his agony, Psalm 51, against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You, God, I get it now. I've, I've dishonored you. A.W. Tozer wrote that the sinning man becomes a temporary atheist. He sees, hears, and knows what God is saying and what God expects and simply chooses to go the other way. As if God didn't even exist. As if he would never have to worry about a guilty conscience. As if he would never actually meet God face to face. As if there could not possibly be consequences attached to his choices. He just stops believing for one insane moment and he does what he wants to do. But we ought to realize God is offended. God does see, he does hear, and ultimately he he lays the blame at our doorstep, either for our actions or our inactions. When you make a choice, do you think about the consequences. When you make a choice, do you think 
about what it's going to do? Could it be that the choice you make might affect someone else? As it turns out, yes, it does. It affects other people. It affects you, and it affects others, and it affects God. Again, we're not uh, just simply observing things. We are seeing the man and woman we've become when we look in a mirror. Christian or not, you're making an honest assessment when you come before God. What have my choices made me? Could I do better? What in the world am I thinking? This is what I want to leave you with, the challenge today. Paul, writing to the Philippians, let me conclude with this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, guys, we live in a fast-moving culture It's never moved as fast as the way it's moving right now and the direction is away from God and if you follow in that flow, you'll wake up someday and God's a million miles away. Don't give in to that. Take time to think through what you're doing. Take time to think about your relationship to God. Take time to examine, self-examine the state of your soul. It's very, very important. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you and praise you for this day and thank you for this time together. Lord, we understand this morning our choices have consequences. Things that we do and say have consequences and we, Lord, want to honor and please you. We, we don't want to affect other people negatively. We don't want to hurt anyone. We don't want to hurt ourselves. We want to honor you, Lord. And so help us to do that. Help us to use our brains for the reason that you gave them to us. Lord, so that we might make good moral choices, that we might honor you, praise you, bring worship to you through the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.